Welcome to the Iowa Agronomy Update, where we talk all things agronomics. I'm your host, Brent Schwinnaker, and this podcast is brought to you by Asgro DeKalb Brand Seeds. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new edition of the Iowa Agronomy Update. Uh, we're we're uh, on the later half here, the uh, 2019 uh, growing season now, finally, and uh, we got a, a new guest here uh, to the podcast. We got Mike Weber here, and Mike, uh, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Appreciate it. Hey, Mike, tell us a little bit about your history and, and what um, you've uh, done in your career and how you ended up here uh, with Bayer and uh, what your what your specialty has been with, with Bayer here in the past. Great. Um, let's see. I've been in the business for about uh, 20 years now. I uh, started with a little company of Rome Palenque, then Aventus, and uh uh, moved on through the Bayer organization. Um, really, my role as a technical service representative, uh, uh, I'm between the I'm the liaisons between research and sales. So yep. I'm the problem solver uh, for the company and uh, really make recommendations and make sure that uh, um, our crop protection system is uh, recommended correctly. Sure, uh, and. So you think about crop protection recommendations and and just troubleshooting in general, right? Uh, we haven't had much of that this year, have we? Yeah, that's not been a problem. <laughs> uh, this is uh, not a normal year, uh, as all of us uh, yeah. have uh, have yeah. witnessed. Yeah, and, and just just driving around, you know, and 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 going off off topic here a little bit. We uh, our our main topic here today is going to be. Uh, probably fungicides and and how um, that that fungicide business has has really um, boomed over the last probably six eight ten years and then you know go into some reasons why but you kind of got me thinking about you know some of these crop protection troubleshooting it you know it it's been a tough year on beans this year Mike and and just whether it's been insects or weed control or late planted you know it it's been a tough year for those guys. Yeah, the bean crop has uh, really struggled. Um, you know, you can uh, be driving along and see probably four to six inch uh, tall beans and maybe maybe two footers, you know, yeah. uh, the early beans. But uh, there's been a lot of curveballs thrown at mm-hmm. uh, soybean production this year, yeah. uh, either trying to start clean, uh, a lot of dirty fields early with the mare's tail and water hemp, et cetera. Yep. And then trying to put together a management program to make sure that uh, we can close the row yeah. so we don't keep getting weed flushes. That's yeah. the concern right now. Yeah, I think closing the row has been, I think, one of the hardest things that we've seen up to this point. You know, we get late planted and and muddy conditions and, and, and just, just tough conditions, right? And then all of a sudden we turn hot and dry. And, you know, we're still seeing 20-inch fields that were planted in May and still haven't closed the row yet. And and so you think about next flushes, you know, did did we get a residual into that into that post-application or not, um, you know, to be determined, right? I don't think I don't think we're going to put anything on cruise control yet, take a vacation. I think we've still got job security here for the next uh, next month and a half or so. Yeah, I'm going to say at least a month. Yeah. Uh, just... Uh, um, 
the overall pest pressure too yeah. uh, is starting to increase on the soybean side to where we're starting to get defoliators yep. uh, into this scenario. So, and there's multi-species this yep. year versus um, years past. It's kind of unique. It just kind of feels like a bug year. Yeah. And producers are going to have to really watch a lot of those soybean fields very closely. Yeah. Have Have you in your career ever seen this many thistle caterpillars? I have not. It was okay. funny. I was uh, uh, a couple of sales guys uh, called, I don't know, probably three, four weeks ago. And that was the topic for about two weeks. Yeah. And to be honest, I have never got a thistle caterpillar uh, question yeah, in right? the past, in my right. past 20 well, years, to so, be honest. So we're making up for it this year, right? Oh, without question. Yeah. So, uh, and Japanese beetles on, on top of it now too is, is the common theme that we seem to be, seem to be hearing right now. Yeah. And then actually, uh, just getting, uh, heading out here at the, uh, Huxley Learning Center to go scout to see if we need to spray or, or not here. We're starting to see the pressure, uh, jump up here, uh, a little bit. So, so yeah, it's been a been a tough year uh, for all around, but it's it's uh, that time of year, Mike, and and we need to be uh, probably making our decisions on a fungicide application. That's really the main topic we wanted to really bring in here today to to really go through and dive in. Um, you, you know, it's it's been a uh, fungicide decisions and applications have have I don't know progressed over time. Mm. Uh, we um, we you and I were talking before this. You know I think you know the the landscape of the fungicide um, post you know application or the you know the post emergence timing has been I don't know. It just seems like it's more of a common a common piece of a high yield management system than it ever has been. Would you agree with that statement? Uh, without question. Um, a lot of producers right now are looking to uh, increase uh, the APH, you yep. know, of their ground sure. and uh, of the yields overall. And fungicides are very, very important, yep. um, important part of that management program overall right. that uh, a lot of the high producers are, are already budget uh, the year before as far as that being planned. Yeah. And even, you know, a lot of the things that come into play with this is, you know, we we understand just as well as as many as that it's tough economic times, uh, and you often hear of of this getting cut out of a package because I need to cut a corner. To me, I want to get your thoughts on this. To me, I don't think that would be where I would cut a corner. And it just feels like if you're going to keep a crop healthy, keep it going to the end, and produce the most bushels you can, this this probably isn't this, this, the decision you want to take out. Yeah, there's a couple of uh, major decisions, I guess, why uh, growers, producers will use fungicides. You know, you get one part that really looks at uh, the disease management, in other words, looking at an IPM type of approach. Yep. And then you've got another bucket of uh, growers, producers that really look at utilizing fungicides, not only for the disease control, but for the harvestability yep. and standability uh, of the crops. Because we have to think, 
uh, our corn crop is going to be out there probably standing an extra three weeks at least minimum mm -hmm. uh, compared to years in the past. And standability will become a major issue at the end of the year. Yeah, I, I would agree. And, and I, I agree 120% on your analysis there of the two different buckets. Uh, and I think, and you're dead on, right? And so the first bucket you talked on is is the disease management, right? And that's that's really what you know we're out there doing, whether it's uh, preventative or curative. Um, the hard part about the the decision on on pulling the trigger on a fungicide application is you go out and scout your fields right now. They don't look over overly you know full of diseases right now, right? But we're also in a point where we're hitting max heat. We're getting a lot of moisture in some areas, and if we tend to cool off here in the next week and a half with some more moisture, you know that could explode on us, and we are now missed the missed the application window to to prevent that. So, um, you know, give give us a little background there, or give us a little you know one on you know one on one fungicide on you know. If you're scouting your fields and you don't see much versus that that bucket number two window, right? I mean, it just – I know a lot of guys have just gone to, you know, I'm in 20-inch rows. I'm going to spray everything fungicide. But if you're out there trying to play the disease, you know, the disease triangle um, focus, you know, what? how do you make that decision right now when you're just seeing maybe just a little bit of gray leaf and maybe a little bit of rust here and there? You know, how how does a guy make that decision? Yeah, that's a great question. So, so typically, um, a producer looking at uh, the IPM approach, uh, uh, scouting, if you will, basically your window is from uh, post-tassel uh, through probably a little bit past uh, brown silk, if you will. Um, and if you look at a lot of our cornfields right now uh, in the state, uh, most of them, well, I wouldn't say most, but uh, generally if they were planted at the end of uh, April, early May, they're getting close to that tasseling. Yep. Uh, and then you've got a group of, um, of fields that are probably at least two weeks behind that, yep. uh, if you will. So uh, the most important thing about a fungicide is to make sure that your uh, application timing is somewhere between that window of that post tassel and brown silk. Everybody asks, what is the secret sauce, secret timing, yeah, right. if you will? Uh, I like, um, uh, it, it depends on your diseases. Right. Uh, you can go out there, you can find um, pathogens out probably in every field, but are they at a susceptible level yet? Probably not, but starting to get close because gray leaf, for an example, seems to be one that is popping up more and more this year. Yep. Uh, it likes a lot of heat, uh, moisture, of course, and uh, there's going to be a lot of inoculum uh, because some are going to treat, some are not. Right. So that inoculum source is always going to be there. Sure. So in general, in corn production, around that soaking time frame is uh, where we uh, recommend. And uh, of course, utilizing a good adjuvant package too, sure. which is important. Mike, you mentioned uh, that that window, right, of, of post-tassel to brown silk. And I think it's – I'm trying to remember. I don't know if I ever remember another year, and, and it kind of goes back to our planting conditions. Uh, that seed sat in the ground for, for three, uh, almost four weeks in some cases. And now we've got uneven, uneven emergence, uneven tassel timing – 
you know, what what's going to be the safe bet there to make sure that we are at, are at the right timing? Yeah, that's always an important uh, question because uh, it, it's sometimes it's not uncommon to have uh, wet holes and then uh, producers going in and replanting corn, you know, in the wet holes right. and basically they're going to be three weeks behind. So you have to almost make your decision based off of the majority of the field, which which crop is going to produce the most for you right. on that field. Yeah. Uh, general rule of thumb, I would like to have a overall field average of at least 90% tassels coming out yep. uh, is a general rule of thumb what we do because you don't want to wait too long to make sure that the whole field is fully tasseled. Uh, because you may be starting to get a little bit too late and those diseases may be popping at that point. Yep. Uh, in general, a fungicide, we want to be more on the preventative side than we do on the curative side. That really just helps the overall health of, uh, of the corn plant. Right. That goes into that bucket too, of that plant health, harvestability, standability, late season. So give us, uh, you know, we've also talked about... Uh, you know how you talked a little bit about coverage uh importance of getting good coverage uh you know i don't think soybeans is a big deal we have a lot of ground application rigs that go out and they even bump up their their water source and, and go high rates and high pressures and really zap that down in the canopy what's some important factors though when you think about these um, spray rigs that are going into corn whether it's plane or helicopter but they their lower carrier volume, you know, how do we get the best um, best coverage from from those and what are some key, key things to think about there? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, that's one that I get quite a bit. Do you prefer air versus ground as an example or of the two airs, which one are the best between right. helicopter or a fixed wing? Right. Um, in general, with the uh, by aerial application, uh, we would like to be around that two gallon of carrier. Yep. Um, and then you've got your fungicide and typically an adjuvant of choice uh, yep. in there. Um, really, I don't see a lot of big difference between a helicopter and fixed wing because they're able to, as that spray is coming out, they have like a downdraft that they catch off of the wings themselves. Mm -hmm. In a helicopter, of course, it's using the rotor uh, to basically push those droplets through that yeah. canopy. Uh, the difference really between the two is if you've got hills, uh, a lot of power lines, uh, a lot of small fields, usually helicopters are used more than fixed wings. Yeah. Uh, fixed wings, are they do the best on, on just big, massive fields yeah. overall. Yeah. And they're able to get a lot of acres covered. Ground rigs are fine. There's a lot of high clearance uh, ground rigs uh, folks are using, uh, and they do an excellent job also. But all three is a good good means of uh, applying a fungicide. Yeah, most of these most of these application or applicator pilots uh, are are crazy enough anyway. They they tend to tickle the tassels with the with the landing gear anyway, right? So they you're you're not getting much difference between uh, ground ground rig versus aerial anyway. They're they're crazy enough that they're seen a few of them go underneath power lines and and uh, I I can't watch. No, I could not either. <laughs> they make me nervous. Yes, right. Um, especially, it's really fun to watch them out in western Iowa, oh, yeah. uh, up on the hills yeah. and. Uh, uh, you get uh, the fly boys from down south. It's interesting how they how they approach some of those fields. Yeah, uh, you know, hey, we we talked a lot about corn uh, here this morning. You know, and really, 
we we shouldn't forget about, you know, I think the soybean crop is probably one of the, the main things that really brought the fungicide market along, right? Uh, so um, give us give us a little history there in the soybean crop around, you know, you know, how did that really take off? Because, we, you know, a lot of research has shown that we've seen a, a overall consistent, you know, you know, six, seven bushel advantage there. Yeah, it, it, again, with the soybeans, actually, uh, within our data system, uh, we are finding that actually more soybean acres are getting treated uh, nowadays than corn, yeah. believe it or not. Okay. And I think that would surprise a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, but uh, with, with soybeans, you have a few uh, particular diseases of uh, target, uh, white mold, uh, for an example, and then uh, frog eye. And then just overall plant health uh, is usually the three areas or buckets that you can kind of separate uh, some of those differences in. Sure. No, that's good. It's uh, interesting to know um, really around that soybean acreage versus corn because uh, you know to me it, it's hard to realize that I mean because if you think about a soybean system where we've been in the last you know six seven years or even eight probably uh, you know we we've gone from a lot of naked naked beans planted with a straight roundup and, and no fungicide to now we've got you know, higher levels of fungicide in your seed treatments, uh, you know, and um, residual in your in your crop protection package and on herbicides and now over the top uh, R3 applications, certainly uh, not a lot of debate there. R3 seems to be about the best time there, right? Yeah, you are correct. Uh, uh, R3 is uh, pretty well industry-wide yep. on going after uh, plant health and uh, really protecting against frog eye at that point. Uh, usually the the range that you want to um, protect soybeans is R3 to about uh, R5, yep. uh, maybe a little bit R, R6, uh, and that would be that plant health. Now that is a different timing, however, for white mold. White mold is a disease that you have to hit in the early onset of flowering, so typically about 10% R1 yep. flowers is when you would put the first application okay. and then a follow-up within about 10 to 14 days. Okay. Uh, and one thing that I really emphasize to a lot of growers up in northern Iowa for sure that have white mold management programs, be careful when you're using uh, Cobra or some of the PPO herbicides for white mold management. You're using a reduced rate, which is actually going to make weed resistance worse in your water hemp population. So we have plenty of fungicides and Delaro for sure uh, for management of uh, white mold. And uh, you're better off using a fungicide, not a herbicide. Yeah. You mentioned Delaro, Mike, and, and that's our next uh, next point here on our, our uh, bullet point list to talk about. What um, tell us a little bit more about Delaro? This is something new to uh, the legacy uh, Decal Basgro folks. Uh, you know what? Um, what should we know about Delaro here moving forward? So a few important points about uh, Delaro fungicide. Uh, first of all, it's uh, best in class uh, dual uh, mode of action. Uh, there is uh, two extremely uh, well versed uh, products in there for uh, knockdown and uh, residual, you know, of your of your pathogens. Uh, broad spectrum disease control of both corn and soybeans. Uh, and really, the third point uh, that we really emphasize a lot about is the plant health uh, effect uh, sure. out of the uh, double mode of action that we have. Those. 
that's really important because all three of those points, I think, are very uh, uniquely uh, positioned with Delaro versus some of the other fungicides on the market. Yeah. Yeah, and and certainly as uh, we um, we've uh, transitioned into our, our new company, Mike uh, is certainly something we jumped on board with uh, right away last year and, and did a lot of uh, our research and and we even here locally, uh, you know, decal products uh, with uh, with and with Art Delaro easily easily showed a 13 to 15 bushel uh, response in corn and and easily showed that good response. Uh, in soybeans as well. And so uh, something to be thinking about there. Um, certainly talk to your applicators, retailers on how to how to get a hold of Delaro and, and what environments. Um, if you're on the fence, uh, hopefully, hopefully you've uh, used this to be part of your overall uh, high yield management scenario. But if not, uh, certainly find a way to get in touch with a local, local sales rep or uh, retailer to find out more about uh, that Delaro product. Mike, uh, on the on the pipeline side of things for fungicide, um, you know, is that is there new things coming down the the pipeline, or is this, um, you know, are we set with Delaro, or what? You know, what should we be looking for down the road? Yeah, so we're uh, really excited. Uh, we're going to be launching a new uh, fungicide uh, next year. Uh, well, it it. Possibly will be in December, uh, depending on how uh, the labels come along and the active ingredients. So it'll be that uh, next step up, if you will, of uh, fungicide package. Um, One of the big things that will be a a huge improvement uh, within that next step fungicide will actually be white mold uh, activity, especially in soybeans. So those producers that's really struggled with uh, white mold, and this is going to be a year that uh, you get east of 35 and probably north of 80, there's going to be a lot of white mold uh, potentially with our uh, moisture system that we've had. Yeah. Uh, not not a lack of moisture uh, anywhere uh, seems to be this year. Uh, we we thought maybe we were in a little pocket here, of dry weather, and but uh, certainly uh, had some moisture come through here in the last couple of days and, and boosted that that system back up. And I think we're heat and maybe a little cool down and heat is just going to boost these diseases up to to that next level here in the next week and a half. Yeah, it's going to be interesting uh, if we uh, if we cool down. Uh, are we going to switch uh, more of the pathogens that we're looking to uh, uh, explode in some of the fields? Because you know, if we get into lower 80s, mid 80s, that's kind of northern weathers. Yeah. Uh, versus, uh, is it uh, because from what I understand, there's some um, there is northern out in yeah. fields yeah. to find it's just sitting there waiting for the right conditions <laughs> just like any other pathogen yeah. so it we we may kind of switch gears a little bit yeah. um yeah what about uh delaro's um action here on on tar spot tar spot's been a, a big talking point here in the eastern northeastern part of of our state um, have seen a couple reports of finding some lesions out there. Have to look hard for them, uh, but they're out there. Yep. Uh, so you know, is that something Delaro is going to help us with with that tar spot control? Yes. Uh, last year, for an example, uh, where tar spot was uh, very very heavy. Actually, we were fortunate to have some research uh, plots in some of these locations. 
some of the local uh, pathologists, for an example, in Michigan and Indiana, was able to put some trials out on tar spots. So we feel we've got a pretty good handle as far as our activity of Delaro on tar spot. Overall, one of the important things, though, producers need to take home on tar spot is a disease that you're better off spraying the less uh, less inoculum that you have out there. You don't want it to get too far along like we we have had in the past for an example with Northern. Yeah. Northern is another one that you don't want to get too far along yeah. uh, otherwise uh, you're going to be retreating uh, potentially in a couple of weeks. But yeah. uh, Tar spot, uh, I believe, what in Michigan, Indiana, and Illinois, yep. I believe they have found and documented uh, some some early detects, uh, which is uh, probably about the same time as last yeah. year, to be yeah. honest. Yeah, yeah, I would agree, uh, and certainly something that we're watching uh, creep in from uh, from that eastern edge of the state, and and going to be. Uh, a, a big watch out here, I think, moving forward for us, and especially for the. Uh, that production acres over there. So, Mike, any last thoughts before we go? Uh, it's been great having you on. Uh, we'll certainly have you back here and, and see, um, you know, maybe some follow-up things here as we move through the season and see maybe maybe something will pop up that we need to address, but certainly good to have you on. I appreciate it. Uh, probably one of the take-home messages more than anything is, um, you know, if you are a producer, uh, you don't want to leave bushels. Uh, in the field, so to speak. Yep. Uh, and I think uh, we're setting up to be either, uh, especially on the bug side or the pathogen side, uh, I think there's going to be a lot of uh, opportunity to spray some insecticide and fungicide in order to protect that top end yield. Yep. And uh, again, increasing that uh, APH, which is always one of our big goals, yeah. um, you know, of raising corn and soybeans. Yep. So, other than that, it's kind of a kind of a wait and see, yeah. and uh, spraying time, you know, is going to be the next uh, two to three weeks. Yeah, and and certainly you talked about uh, protecting bushels. You know, I think the 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 economics behind things have certainly improved. I think we're fairly fortunate that we have um, decent crop here to protect uh, and and try and go after more bushels and. And really try and take advantage of the rally in the market, right? And so, you know, we've had a run up of, of probably a dollar or more, not quite, maybe in some either crop on, on prices. Now let's let's protect the bushels and take advantage of that. So so good stuff, Mike. Great to have you on. Like I said, if, if you're uh, on the fence here and want to learn more, certainly uh, get a hold of us or, or local retailer or your applicator, whoever it may be. Uh, find somebody that can, can help you out and uh, get some Delaro uh, ordered for your fields. Thanks a lot, guys, and uh, stay tuned.